I will feast at the table of the Lord. I will feast at the table of the Lord. I won't hunger anymore. Welcome to the table. You are listening to the Kingstown Communion podcast with lead pastor Michelle Matthews. The Kingstown Communion is a new United Methodist Church existing to gather people into communion with Jesus Christ through courageous conversation, creative community, and collaborating for the common good. We worship at Island Creek Elementary School, 7855 Morning View Lane, every Sunday at 10 a.m. For more information about upcoming events and opportunities to serve, visit our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Kingstown Communion. We're glad that you're listening along with us. If you live close by, we hope you'll join us for worship in person. And if you ever feel so inclined to help us by giving financially, you can do so on our website, kingstowncommunion.net. transgression, you who have received the Spirit should restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. Take care that you yourselves are not tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. For if those who are nothing think they are something, they deceive themselves. All must test their own work. Then that work, rather than their neighbor's work, will become a cause for pride. For all must carry their own loads. Those who are taught The word must share in all good things with their teacher. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked, for you reap whatever you sow. If you sow to your own flesh, you will reap corruption from the flesh. But if you sow to the Spirit, you will reap eternal life from the Spirit. So let us not grow weary in doing what is right, for we will reap at harvest time if we do not give up. So then, whenever we have an opportunity, let us work for the good of all, And especially for those of the family of faith, see what large letters I make when I am writing in my own hand? It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh that that try to compel you to be circumcised, only that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. Even the circumcised do not themselves obey the law, but they want you to be circumcised so that they may boast about your flesh. May I never boast of anything 
except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither circumcision nor uncircumcision is anything, but a new creation is everything. As for those who will follow this rule, peace be upon them and mercy and upon the Israel of God. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. So when I think of this word Catholic or Catholicity, sometimes it's said, when I think of this word Catholic or Catholicity, I think of a cuss jar. Did, did any of you have one of these in your homes growing up? Did you have a cuss jar in your house? The jar that you have in your house, um, and if you cuss, you have to put money into it or your allowance goes into it. I'm getting strong yeses and some strong noes. Yeah. We naturally did, did not have a need for this in my household, let's be honest. Um, when I think of the word Catholic, I think of a cuss jar. And I've heard, you've heard of cuss jars at, at home, but have you ever heard of a cuss jar at church? One of the churches I served in Durham, some of the staff, we had one of these cuss jars in the office there. You see this church that had met at an elementary school for eight years now, was in the process of building a building, an actual brick and mortar building. They had secured the land, they hired the contractor, they sketched out their design for this property and already bro- they had already broken ground and the church was just about four months out from moving into their new building um, for this building to finally be ready and for this new phase of the life of the church to begin. And among the staff, this idea of having a cuss jar began began to marinate as we started listening to folks in this four-month waiting period. We heard the same stories. When we have a church, we can finally have Bible studies. And when we have a church, we can finally host potlucks long after worship. And when we have a church, we won't have to set up chairs anymore and all the AV and the children's room every single week. And when we have a church, we can have more than one meeting at a time. And when we have a church, we ensure that more people are going to come when we have a church. And what they meant really was when we have a building. When, when, when they get a building, then, then finally we will have a church. And we knew that they, they came by this way of thinking Honestly, some of you might remember that little ditty growing up um, in childhood. Here is, uh, here's the church. You remember this? Yes. And then there's the, like, the steeple. And then you open it up and there's some people inside. And they're, all the people are inside, so they're all inside the church. There must be more people when you build a church. And we say things every week like, get in the car, we're going to church. Because it's like a destination, right? This church is a destination, a place we go to, a particular location this church is. And we wondered if the day they handed us the certificate of occupancy, if we would just go, whew, we're done, mission church accomplished. And so all this talk convinced us to set up this church cuss jar in the office so that whenever we heard someone say, when we have a church... They would have to put a dollar in the jar, and depending on how moody we were or cranky we were that day, maybe more. But there was also this flip side to it, this unexpected flip side. We discovered that more than a few people 
in the church were worried, too. They were really worried about what life would be like when we moved into the building. They would, they would talk about the spunk and tenacity and scrappiness that we had then, that it, it took to be a mobile church for eight years. We had to be creative about when we gather and where we gather and how we gather. And we had to work really hard to create sacred space in that gym week after week after week. And by doing that, we became better friends with each other. And we became better disciples together because of that. And there was something pretty extraordinary every week to watch kids hang banners and to have the children's minister tell them why we were doing this week after week. And there's something that happened when, when Eddie and Sam were, were setting up AV together and they were talking to each other about their week. Something was happening there for people who had never felt comfortable in a church before that was church. That slightly smelly gym was the holiest place many of those people ever were in their week. And so we also got all kinds of questions about what would happen to the church when they would move into the building finally, when there would be no more tasks that would bring us together at 8.30 in the morning. Will we still be a church? And though unexpected and actually quite beautiful to hear those words from them, we had to ask them too to put dollars into the church cuss jar. What we started to realize was that these complaints and our cuss jar wasn't really about having a building or, or not having a building. It wasn't really about whether or not the spunk would be lost, but it was really about control. That's, that's why when I think of this word Catholic, I think of a cuss jar. Partly because every Catholic who has ever joined our congregation has called themselves a recovering Catholic, as if Catholic is some kind of profane word we should put dollars in a jar for. But also because the conversation of the church's Catholicity, the little c Catholic, is really a conversation about control. That's what I hear when you tell your stories of growing up in the Catholic Church, that you think its aim is to control and manipulate people. That's what you've said to me. Control is what I hear when I hear you question, why a pope? Why is that necessary? Why would you even need to confess your sins to a priest? You can do that yourself for absolution. Why in some Catholic churches do you recite this whole mass in a language a language no one still speaks, as if they want to control what you know and what you believe and what you feel. Control is what I hear you say when you make Catholic a cuss word. The, and control is what I, I heard when those people in that church in Durham, North Carolina, came, came to long for and also worry about that building set in Research Triangle Park in North Carolina, much like D.C. Metro. These were high-functioning type A people, most of them raised on the idea that if they can set their minds to something, they can accomplish it. And so they brought that idea into the church with them, too. If they do this or avoid that, if they build the building or stay in the school, then they would be a church. If they could control all these odds, then they would be a church. And it was like God had become this puppet for, for them, 
that if we just pull the right strings at the right times, if we stay in the school long enough and we build the building at the right time and we maneuver in the right ways, then we will accomplish church. And we had to just keep stuffing our dollars in the jar. I had forgotten about the cuss jar recently, until recently, when I started chewing on this word Catholic. When I think of this word Catholic, I think of a cuss jar. And I started to wonder if maybe we need a cuss jar at Kingstown. I mean, Gina could make it really pretty up here. <laughs> like wrap it, wrap it with some burlap, put a flower in it. Um, I wonder if we need a cuss jar at Kingstown. You know, during this particular season we find ourselves in, when the United Methodist Church feels like it's falling apart and our little inclusive church in the corner of Kingstown is incredibly vulnerable in the, in the mix of this and Aldersgate is unable to fund us at the level they had hoped to this year and we've got some big decisions ahead and we've got this big road ahead for ourselves, maybe we need our own cuss jar because what will get us through this, what has gotten every church throughout time and space through this, through empires rising and falling, through division and discord, through crusades and temple destroyings, through our longing for what's next and our worrying about what's now, is not control, but it is our Catholicity. But not the kind marked by control, but the kind marked by realizing it is above and beyond and so much fuller and so much more mysterious than anything we could ever control. And, and if you're wondering who's going to, to fill up that church cuss jar the fastest, you're looking at her. This business of being church, it can lead me to making lists upon lists of all the things I need to do, all the things, all the God strings I need to pull in order for us to be where we need to be. I've ordered books, I've sat down with other pastors who've done this thing, I've read articles and listened to podcasts and I've written proposals and clamored for another idea. Just tell me which string to pull, God. Just tell me which string to pull so that this place and these people can be your church finally. And it was sometime last week while I was vacationing in New Orleans, I'd been vacationing long enough to truly let myself like decompress. And I realized that I've been trying to do a lot of string pulling lately and controlling. And that if the cuss jar was sitting right here right now, I would need to put quite a few dollars in it. I'd fallen back into this preservation mode if I just said the right things and did the right things and talked to the right people and something could happen. And I was reminded and I realized that I couldn't will this church into whatever it would be by my own merits. My own merits simply were not enough. And I wrestled with the scripture today. One of many I combed through as I kind of chewed on this word Catholic. And the words of scripture began to do what they are known to do for me. They began to pull my strings. My strings were pulled as I read Paul's letter to the church in Galatia. And they, they found themselves, this church, struggling to know what being church meant. And they were attempting to control church, what the church could be. Was it for the circumcised or uncircumcised? And Paul writes to them saying, stop trying to manipulate the church by drawing bounds. God's grace is drawing all people in and you don't even, you can't comprehend what it's doing. 
And then Paul's letter says something super, I think, comical. See what large letters I make when I am writing in my own hand, Paul says, which is like, if you're wondering, the first century equivalent to like typing in all caps. (laughs) For people who are so worried about circumcision, they're only worried about themselves, Paul says. They're only worried about being able to prove that they have the right credentials to be a part of this community, to be the church. And they want to boast in what they are and who they are and what they can become. And the only thing, Paul says, they should do, only thing they should boast about is Jesus Christ crucified. And it was like Paul was yelling at me in all caps in today's text. You, Michelle, are not going to maneuver and manipulate Kingstown into being a church beyond what you might think. You didn't write these rules. You didn't sketch this blueprint. You won't be able to control things with your books and your wranglings so that one day you can boast, Michelle, so that one day you can boast that you made this place a church. The only thing that you need to boast about, Michelle, is a God who on the cross took all things upon himself and drew up the blueprint for new creation, as Paul writes. You are not in control and you have been You have just graciously received by a God. You have been graciously received by a God who is making even you a part of this new creation. God is making you Catholic. God is waking you up to your part among the whole, to the the universality of the church across time and space that says that nothing you conjure up, nothing that you can control by your own merit will make the church any more church than it has already been and will always be. And then as I continued to study and chew on the word Catholic, God continued to pull my strings as I read another passage, this time in Luke, and I chewed on this word Catholic more. In this story in Luke, Jesus sends out 70 people. He sends out 70 people to heal and to proclaim that the time would come when God would save God's people. Jesus doesn't say to the 70 Now, don't forget to pack your books and all your credentials you have. In fact, he says, leave all behind. Don't pack your notes and your podcasts. Jesus doesn't say, go out now and build a building and rent space in an elementary school. Jesus just says, go out together and come near to people and receive their hospitality and proclaim peace in my name and heal what is broken and announce that new creation is near. And this is the task. This is the task of the one holy Catholic apostolic church. This is our universal call for everyone, everywhere, at all time, to go out together, to come near to people, to receive their hospitality, to proclaim peace in Jesus' name, and to heal what is broken and announce that new creation is near. And Jesus says, now... Sometimes people won't want you to come near. That doesn't mean that you now conquer and control and manipulate them into this story. As many of you have told me, your understanding of Catholic history has been known to do. Instead, just shake the dust off your feet, um, Jesus says. Just shake the dust off your feet and continue to come near anyways. Because coming near is a sign of the universal, unifying, all-encompassing church. 
And some people won't want your peace either. Shake the dust from your feet, Jesus says, and keep on offering peace, because offering peace is a sign of the universal, unifying, all-encompassing church. And some people won't want your healing, and they will not, they will refuse to be made new. Shake off the dust, Jesus says, and keep ushering in that new creation out of broken things, because ushering in new creation out of what is broken is a sign of the Catholic unifying, universal, all-encompassing church. Not having a building, or not, not having a building, but new life out of brokenness. And as you do this, Jesus says, you will most certainly fail at this. You won't be in control. You will be as vulnerable as lambs that are sent out amidst wolves. But there's one thing I know, you won't be alone in it. You go in my name, Jesus says. You go in my name and you go together. You go out with all the saints who believed and doubted before and all the saints who will believe and doubt long after this little church in Kingstown exists. And you go out in the name of the crucified Christ whose power was strong enough to overcome death and you go out with one another. Together in my name, you will not kill my church. You don't have that kind of power. Many have tried, many have tried fiercely, but the gates of hell did not prevail, Jesus said. And the second part, that we should go with one another, is perhaps what, is most, what it most profoundly means to be Catholic. That we should go with one another is also perhaps what I found most profoundly comforting as we step out together into a few years of uncertainty as a church in the midst of UMC schism and this crucial climb to sustainability because you are my 70, right? You're my 70. The people who fill this place week after week are my 70. You're my people. You're one another's 70. We're one another's people. And there are no other people I want to be beside but you. No other people I want to be sent into the wolves' den with but you. You make me Catholic. When I think of Catholic, I think of you. And I still think of that jar, but I've decided that perhaps I could put that jar to better use. Instead, I could just add to it every time I witness us together doing what Jesus called those 70 to do, drawing near, offering peace, calling out new life in broken spaces. I actually started this week. I started writing some of these things down so that I can remember when we both forget, because we will. One of these days, I'm going to to buy an actual jar, maybe, but for the time being, I have a leisure. (laughs) Um, How much I owe into this year so far, (laughs) and I'd be happy to share my metaphorical jar with you so that you can remember when you forget, too. I started writing these things down and remembering when I saw us together doing what Jesus, across time and space, has always called the 70 to do. And what came to mind, one of the first things that came to mind was a common table that has been knit so closely together that when someone in their common table had surgery, they brought a meal, something so simple, but that is what drawing near looks like, right? And I wrote that down. And, and then I thought about the man sitting around the fire at the end of that night on the retreat, and we all admitted what we can't believe, what we have trouble believing, what just really just suspends us 
we don't, we, don't, we don't know in this faith whether we can buy into that, what we think. And we, we took an, an, a ribbon and you went up to the cross and they each tied on the cross the thing that they just can't believe. And then they handed a small cross to someone else who said, I'll hold that for you. I'll believe that for you while you are suspended in unbelief. And it's us drawing near, us offering peace, us us providing healing in broken spaces. And I thought of, of also, we've been in Sunday suppers, we've been doing Sunday suppers for a long time, and we've been discerning whether or not Sunday suppers is something, is a mission that we want to continue with based on some of the needs in the area and the shifting area in D.C. and, and, um, and who's being served now. And, and I thought of the night when it was raining and we couldn't get into, um, we, we couldn't get to Franklin Square there was no access, all the parking was gone, nobody was in the park, and we decided we're going to drive to D.C. Metro Kitchen, and um, we have a, a car full of, um, of <laughs> yoga mats and ponchos, and it's pouring, and we have food, and we set it up, and I thought of Orlando there at D.C. Um, DC Kitchen, who just said, yes, we'll receive this, yes, please, come set up the food here, and how we just served person after person after person, and how gracious they were. And they received our hospitality, and we offered peace, and they offered us healing in our broken spaces, and we offered them some too. And at the end of the night, Peter asked, hey, do you have a use for some yoga mats? And they said, you know, actually, we've been having a really horrible problem with bed bugs lately horrible problem with bed bugs. We'll take as many as you can give us. And it wasn't what we expected they would go to. It wasn't what we imagined, but somehow in that space, on, at a time we showed up at this place and we did what the church universal has been known to do. We, we drew near and we offered peace and we shared in hospitality and we injected some healing in some broken places. I know these are what I'm putting some money in my jar for these things. And I, I just want to remind you of something today that I, I needed reminding of myself this past week. We will surely need reminding of it in the future. We're, we're not in control of building the church, and we're not going to kill it. We can't. It's not possible. The harvest is vast, and Jesus just calls us to go out together and gather people in to receive their hospitality and offer peace and to announce new creation is near. And what I love most about the end of that story in Luke is that the 70 came back after doing that. They came back together after doing that, after doing the work of the church universal Catholic, and it says they were astonished. They were astonished that they went out with basically nothing, nothing but the name of Jesus and one another, and it was like miracles happened. Would you pray with me? God, when I think of Catholic, I think of how where, where one of us fails, the other fills in the gap. I think of those confirmands hanging their unbelief and someone else taking their belief on. I think of every time we forgive one another, every time one of us doesn't hold up our end of the deal and someone else has to say, it's okay, I've got it. I think of us as a whole church and all the ways that we are going to fail and all the ways that we are going to try to control and manipulate and, and 
because that's what we know to do. And then I think of all the saints before and all the saints to come who will hold us in that, whose faith showed us how to offer peace and to offer healing in broken spaces so that we can constantly return to that same purpose, that same universal Catholic call that you have for each of us individually and as a whole. God, we pray for people who could really today and this week and this year really use a sense of that togetherness. People who are lonely, who feel like no one else could understand what they're going through, people who are grieving, people who are just lost, and provide for them a sign of your all-encompassing nature, provide them support, give them a friend, teach them how to look for the right friends. And we join together in that prayer that you taught us to unify us. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
at the table of the land.